Today marks the last in a three-week summer sermon series on silence. The world, as many of us know it, has become one big talk show, with silence being one of our greatest scarcities. Sound surrounds us. Silence startles us. I like the cartoon of a couple who are seated in front of the TV. Attention is laser-focused on the screen in front of them when suddenly the sound goes off. Then on the screen, the sign is, this message is projected. We have temporarily lost our sound. Please talk to each other. Sound surrounds us. Silence startles us. And so there is a tendency to fill up the gaps of silence no matter what. There are different voices around us competing for our attention, buy this, do this, try this, and on and on. But don't we have a deep down need for silence? Even when we run from it, or especially when we run from it? Christopher Morley expresses our common felt need when he writes, Quiet is what we need. By phone, the press, mail, the doorbell, radio, TV, internet, we're micro-organized and overgrown with everybody's business but our own. Pipe it down, chain talkers. Muffle and slow the rapid pulse. I wonder if you know how good it feels sometimes to be alone. Incessantly loquacious generation, let yes and no be your communication. Before the world comes open at the seams, invest some private enterprise in dreams, in unimpassioned silence we might find, if ever, what the great author had in mind. Most of us have a longing to be more, to see more, to feel more, and to know more than is currently the case. And most of us have a yearning to be closer to God, closer to friends, and closer to our own families. Seeking to fill up that not-quite-enoughness, so often we resort to idle chatter. Idle chatter. To at least keep things from feeling any less close than they already are. There's an old saying that speech is silver, but silence is golden. Silence, if taken seriously, can indeed be golden. Now, I have to stop here and say that I'm a lot better at talking about the need for silence than I am at doing it. I've been helped recently to see that when I don't take authentic periods of silence, something within me dies. Or to put it positively, when I do take time for silence, something within me grows. One evening, well over a hundred years ago, Ralph Waldo Emerson came to see Thomas Carlyle. The hermit of Craig and Puttock gave his young American visitor a pipe And he took, this was back when smoking was was a thing everybody did. And he gave 
They each had a pipe, and they sat together in perfect silence. The two puffed away at their pipes, according to the story, until bedtime. When they shook hands and congratulated each other on a fruitful evening they had spent together. Silence is golden when two people can be so completely comfortable in each other's company that words are totally unnecessary. This can be true for friends, for spouses, for a parent and child, or for a grandparent and a grandchild. It can also be true in our relationship with God. When we can be silent in God's presence without even words, it can be a golden opportunity. An opportunity to know peace and to be renewed as only God can renew. Here again, a few of the lines from our Lamentations text, which Rick read for us. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. God's mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good for those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly. For the past two weeks, we have not only talked about the need for silence in our spiritual lives, we have experienced it together for four to five minutes in the midst of our worship. For some, it may have been awkward, and for others, it may have been very helpful. My hope today is that as we share silence again in a significant moment of time, we will sense the truth, the power, and the beauty that silence truly is golden. In a spirit of openness, in a spirit of faith, and in the spirit of trust, Let us wait quietly. Let us sit quietly in silence.
It is good that one should wait quietly, says our text, to sit in silence. Silence is golden for those who wait upon the Lord. Yet how is it that silence is golden? I want to address briefly two ways in which I believe silence is golden. First of all, there can be great beauty, calm, and peace in silence. The great shepherd of life leads us beside still waters. He promises to restore our souls. I don't know about you, but there are many times when I need to have my soul restored. Times when I need to have my life brought back within God's purposes. Silence can bring us back to the one who promises to lead us through life with all its ups and downs, with all its trials and temptations, with all its joys and celebrations. Silence helps us to find ourselves in God's presence as those who belong to him and to other people. Silence is golden because through it we can come to deeper levels of understanding and acceptance, both of ourselves and of others. Thomas Merton, the Trappist monk, and they're the ones who spend a lot of time in silence, he once observed, Solitude and silence teach me to love my brothers and sisters for what they are, not for what they say. My brothers and sisters. Silence can calm us. It can bring peace, understanding, and acceptance. That is one of the ways silence is golden. But the golden quality of silence also carries with it power and a wealth of resources. Have you ever noticed that the New Testament lesson of the feeding of the 5,000 that be read for us, that that story, the particular story of the feeding of 5,000 is banked by silence. So I'm not going to focus on the feeding of the 5,000. But hear how it begins in verse 13 with these words. Jesus withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. And then, of course, the feeding of the 5,000, when the resources seemed so limited. And here's how the story of the feeding ends. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. You see, Jesus knew the strength of silence and how it helps generate power and discover a wealth of resources formerly unknown. We may, we may not be able to feed 5,000 as Jesus did, but silence can help us get in touch with God's strength deep within us, such that we can be Christ's hands of service and mercy in our time and place. 
Than silence banks and frames our actions, we are more likely to be in touch with and actually doing what God wants us to do. Mother Teresa of Calcutta dedicated her life to service writes this. We need to find God, and God cannot be found in noise and restlessness. God is the friend of silence. See how nature, trees, flowers, grass, grow in silence. See the stars, the moon, the sun, how they move in silence. It is not our mission to give God to the poor. It's not a dead God, but a living, loving God. The more we receive in silent prayer, the more we can give in our active life. We need silence to be able to touch souls. The essential thing is not what we say, but what God says to us and through us. All our words will be useless unless they come from within. Words which do not give the light of Christ reach the darkness. Silence is golden when it produces calm, beauty, and peace on the one hand, and at the same time when it produces power and a wealth of resources formerly unknown. For us to do what God would have us do, today and in the days to come, they all, as we all know, Silence. Silence.